chapter 18. Had a hard time coming up with a title on this one, but uh, I went back to I Love Lucy because we watch a lot of I Love Lucy uh, in our house, it seems. Uh, title on this one, You've Got Some Splaining to Do. Okay. <laughs> Say it. Um, <laughs> Acts chapter 18. We see the book of Acts. It's a history of the early church. And it really comes down to this fact that Jesus told his disciples, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. And that's exactly what they've done. Uh, the, this part of the book of Acts follows heavily the missionary journeys of Paul. And last week, we saw him there, the beginning of chapter 18, in the city of Corinth, uh, known for its immorality and looseness. Um, it was an anything-goes mentality. And yet, the good news of what Jesus had done for the world uh, went to them, and they received it. And here, in verse 18, we pick up. So Paul still remained a good while. So Paul stayed in Corinth uh, for quite some time, uh, at least a year and a half, it seems. And he taught and he instructed and, and really just spent time with those folks. Then, middle of verse 18 there, um, then he took leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria and Priscilla and Aquila were with him. He had his hair cut off at Centuria, for he had taken a vow. And he came to Ephesus and left them there. But he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay longer, a longer time with them, he did not consent, but took leave of them, saying, I must by all means keep this coming feast in Jerusalem. I will return again to you, God willing. And he, stayed, he sailed from Ephesus. And when he had landed in Caesarea and gone up and greeted the church, he went down to Antioch. And he spent some time there and he departed and went over to the region of Galatia and Phrygia in order, strengthening all the disciples. So here we see Paul as he stayed in Corinth for quite some time. He takes leave there in uh, verse 18 and we notice here he had cut his hair. Well, Paul had a haircut. Big deal. What's the deal with that? Well, this is a very significant haircut that Paul had. It points us to the idea of the Nazarite vow. When you think of Nazarites, not Nazarene, by the way, Jesus was from Nazareth, known as the Nazarene. Um, that's not the same. Nazarite, a little different. It has to do with this vow. When you think of the Nazarite vow, you probably think of one of two people, but probably one person. Samson, yeah. Samson had this unending Nazarite vow. Uh, Numbers chapter 6, if you're interested in the Nazarite vow, Numbers chapter 6 spells it out for us. Uh, the, the rules of the vow are this. No grapes. Nothing that has to do with grapes. No wine, no raisins, no raisinettes, right? Doesn't matter. <laughs> and, and, and you're not allowed any of that. So no grapes or anything that comes from the vine. No dead people or dead things. You can't touch, you can't be around a dead thing. 
you got me. That's fine. <laughs> Sold. Uh, then also, you don't cut your hair. For the time that you're taking this Nazarite vow, you leave your hair grow. It's an outward sign of the dedication that you intend to the Lord. So here, a simple vow, it really shows dedication. God, my time, my everything I want to be separated for you, separated from the things of the vine, those things that could influence me and I could be under the influence of. Um, the, the dead things, I want to be holy, right? I don't want to be defiled by something like that. And then the hair, again, just an outward sign of what was going on in the heart. So here, Paul has taken this vow and he gets his hair cut. At the end of the vow, you would take whatever hair had grown and you would offer it to the Lord, right? And again, it was just saying, God, my time, my everything, it's all yours. So Paul here gets his hair cut and he's headed towards Jerusalem. Now that was kind of where it was supposed to end up, that you would take this hair and you would offer it to the Lord uh, in Jerusalem. Paul has this direction. He just knows this is what I'm supposed to do. This is where I'm supposed to go. But Paul, why don't you stay with us? I can't stay with you. I need to go to Jerusalem. And that's the leading of the Lord. It doesn't have to make sense, right? Uh, It just has to be what God wants. And so Paul takes off. And with this dedication, he goes to Jerusalem. Now, uh, notice there, we see he makes it uh, to Jerusalem. Verse 22, he landed at Caesarea, that's there on the coast near Jerusalem. And he had gone up and greeted the church. This is going up. He'd gone up. Um, That is usually a way to describe going to Jerusalem. Um, Well, Jerusalem spiritually seems to be up, right? Well, that's not all of it. It's also built on a mountain, right? Zion is the top of the mountain. Jerusalem is on Mount Moriah. And and so Paul goes up and he spends some time, obviously, in Jerusalem. He finishes this, this vow and then he greeted the church and he went down, right? So Paul goes up to Jerusalem and he goes down to Antioch. And just back into it. Antioch is where he had started his missions trip, and that's where he kind of ends it. So that's where Paul is at. Now, he's passed through Ephesus. Notice in verse 19, kind of got away from us. Paul went through Ephesus, the place where we have the book of Ephesians, right? Ephesians live in Ephesus. And Paul went to Ephesus, and he goes to the synagogue. Like he always went to the synagogue. And there we read, interesting, as he reasons with the Jews in verse 20, they ask him to stay longer. That's a switch, right? Usually they run him out of town. Usually they beat him up and throw him in jail. Here, the Jews say, Paul, will you just stay a little longer and talk to us? We really like what you're saying. We want to hear these things. But Paul knew that he was to go to Jerusalem. And so he says, I can't. If God wills, I'll come back to you. So again, this is where we leave Paul back in Antioch, kind of in between his second and third missions trip. Now, in Ephesus, we see he leaves a couple. Priscilla and Aquila. Uh, 
That's in, uh, where is that? It's in there. You saw it. We read it. <laughs> Which one? 18. 18. Thank you when my eyes are failing me. Priscilla and Aquila stay in Ephesus. And here we pick up in verse 24. All of that bouncing around. Verse 24. Let's come back. Kind of a side story here. Verse 24. Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of God, though he knew only the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. And when Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. So here we see what's going on while Paul is in Antioch. Back in Ephesus, a stranger comes to town. It's Apollos, a man named Apollos. I I call him the golden child, but... (laughs) He's born in Alexandria, and we see here he's an eloquent man, mighty in the scriptures. So picture Apollos. He's got words. He's got eloquence. And just sounds like everything I'm not. You know what I mean? He's got some knowledge. But there in Alexandria, he picked up the rhetoric, right? He knew how to present a subject. And as he comes to town, everybody's wowed. They love, they love what he has to say. He's got philosophy, he's got technique. Uh, He could reference the library of Alexandria. Oh, I went to the library of Alexandria. And people would go, ooh, you're so smart. And here he goes to the synagogue and he begins to share. Notice he's not only eloquent and mighty in the scriptures, One shortfall he has, though, in verse 25, he only knew the baptism of John. So picture it. Here's Apollos sharing the traditions, sharing the scriptures. We would call it the Old Testament. And he's telling people to repent. This is who God is, and this is who we are. We're sinners, uh, just like John the Baptist, you'll remember John the Baptist, a colorful character, right? He had a camel hair robe and a big old leather belt around his waist. I think with a big belt buckle too. It's just kind of the way I see him. I assume he had a big beard, although we're not told. He's just a biker type in my mind. And John the Baptist, he points his finger at people and he says, repent, you brood of vipers, you little snakes. You need to turn from your sin and turn to God. He spoke of a savior who would come and people heard it. Now that's pretty pointed message, right? He defined sin. We don't like to talk about sin in our world. Uh, what, What God says is wrong. And John pointed at people and said, you're greed. Your greed is wrong. He pointed at people and said, your drunkenness, it's sin against God. It's not what you were made for. Your sexual perversion, John would say, it's sin 
It's wrong. It doesn't please God. And if you keep going that way, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. It's just that plain. Our sin separates us from God. And we don't like that message of John, do we? If John wasn't so extreme and and if the spirit wasn't on him so heavily, I don't think people back then would have received it. Um, Because we don't like that message of sin and what's wrong and what God says about the things in our life. We can kind of see, and I'm not political. You 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 may know that. I'm not very political. But we all know it was quite a surprise this last election day. Expected because of the inflation and all the money issues in our country right now and how much, you know, eggs cost. My goodness, eggs are like six bucks a dozen, I think, right? And you think just that mere fact, people would go, we're sick of it and we're not going to have it anymore. And, and that's what we thought. But there was another issue on the table, I think. The issue was, how about morality? How about the things that you do? And what I think we found was that people want their own way more than they care about money. I think it's pretty clear. I'll pay the money for the eggs if you let me do whatever I want to do. Don't restrict me. And that's the way we are. We all like to do what's right in our own eyes, enough that we'll pay for the eggs, right? And and yet... Apollos and John, they told the truth about sin. Now, it wasn't just a condemning thing, right? I don't think it was just a condemning thing of like, you're just wrong. But here's the truth. We weren't created for sin. Man, sin and doing our own thing, we think it's going to bring us pleasure. We think it's going to make us happy, and it puts us in bondage. The things I want to do, I don't do. It hurts us. We weren't created for sin. Sin will destroy your life on all counts, whether it's bitterness or greed or sexual perversion or drugs. It will kill you. God hasn't made us for that. And ultimately, it will separate us from a relationship with God. What an amazing thing that God wants to have a relationship with us. And yet this idea of just doing our own thing and going our own way will separate us from a relationship with God every single time. And here, Apollos comes with that simple message, the message of John. Repent. God has a Savior coming. Turn from your sins and turn to God. And and here, as you can just picture it, Priscilla and Aquila, I love these guys. This sweet couple, Priscilla and Aquila, are sitting there listening as Apollos is is telling the truth. Turn from your sin. The wrath of God is upon you. God has a savior. Turn to God. And then he he basically says, all right, let's pray. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) And he dismisses the crowd without ever mentioning Jesus. And can you imagine Priscilla and Aquila at this point. What? Wait, 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 we're not done here. What are you doing? Apollos, now's the time. Talk about Jesus. He doesn't know. He, he doesn't have a clue about that. He doesn't know about the Savior. 
Look at verse 26, and that's where we see that he's speaking boldly. That's his passion that I missed a couple minutes ago. When Priscilla, or rather, when Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Isn't that the most beautiful thing? Because they didn't stand up in the time and say, hey, what about Jesus? <laughs> I could have, maybe. They didn't embarrass him. They didn't put him down like, you dummy, you forgot the most important part, <laughs> you know? They say, hey, Paulos, you want to come over for lunch after this? <laughs> you, want to, you want to come over to our house for some coffee or something like that? This beautiful couple said, let's sit down for a second. So sweet, so humble, I think. And there they just explained to him, you know how you're talking about a savior? John pointed to Jesus. You didn't know this? John pointed to Jesus. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus is that Savior. Jesus is the one who can take away our sin. Jesus is the one who can just annihilate those chains of bondage that we have towards sin. What Jesus did on the cross, Apollos, can set us free from sin. And they shared with him. I love that idea they took him aside. It means to welcome someone in, right? They just took him aside and they explained those things. I'm sure they brought him to Isaiah 53. Beautiful passage in Isaiah 53 that says this, but he, the Savior, was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes were healed. Such a beautiful thing. And as they did this, I think two miracles happened, right? The first miracle was that they actually shared the truth, right? Isn't it kind of like us to say, like, well, that's not right. I hope they figure it out, (laughs) you know, and just walk away. Priscilla and Aquila cared enough to step in and share the truth with Apollos. But probably the bigger miracle is that Apollos listened. Apollos was educated and eloquent, right? And this couple comes up to him, and by God's grace, he listened. I think we need to learn from both of those, right? We need to learn to take what we have, the truth that we have, and share it with others. It doesn't have to be standing on the street corner, pointing our finger or, you know, whatever, you know, with a microphone. It doesn't have to be that. It can be inviting someone to our house and just taking what we know about God and sharing it with someone else. So I I, I know (laughs) y'all, I know y'all pretty well. And I think just about everybody in here has been in church for quite a while. You have quite a few scriptures under your belt that you may not even realize. You understand sin, the wages of sin being death. You understand the truth of God, that God loved us so much that he provided Jesus, a savior, forgiveness of sins. 
man, you know a lot of details. I know you do about what God has said about life and all these things. But we get so timid. And we say, well, yeah, 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 but that's not my thing. My thing is not sharing the word. That's your thing, right? And we think, well, I can't do that. But I just want to encourage you, man, impart what you know to the next generation. Impart what you know to the person that works with you. In humility like this, take them aside and just explain the simple things that you know about God. How beautiful it would be. We didn't get all timid and go, well, it's not my thing, really. Who am I to share that? But just beautifully kind of share these things simply. But then also to receive it, right? None of us like to receive correction. I don't. I I do distinctly remember a, a job interview that I had where they asked the absolute worst question they could ever ask. They said, they said, so how are you with correction? And, you know, <clears throat> I've lied before in my life, but I'm just not good at it. You know what I mean? I'm just going to tell you. And, uh, <laughs> and I said, how do I do with correction? Well, I don't like it. <laughs> I just don't like it. I didn't get that job. But <laughs> honestly, I just don't like it. And I told them, like, who does? Right? <laughs> well, you got a point there. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, but yet, we all got something to learn. Right? We all got something to learn when people come to us and share God's truth and really pray about it. Can I receive this in humility? Two miracles happened. They shared the truth and Apollos received the truth. And it's beautiful. Look at verse 27. Uh, and when he desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he vigorously, there's his passion again, vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. So Apollos then, with this new information and this just passion to share God's word and God's truth with people, says, I want to go across. I want to go over to Achaia. It's Corinth where he ends up. And, and we read about that in the first chapter of 1 Corinthians. But he goes to Corinth and he just starts teaching people about Jesus. He's got uh, reasons from the scriptures there in verse 28. The best reasons you can have for things. The only reason you should have for things in your life. And he goes over and he begins to share. And there's this wonderful work because he went but because they shared, because they took the time to explain it. Just just filling in the gaps, the most important gap, who Jesus was and what uh, he had done for us. Uh, A simple message, but we shy away from it. But it would go on to continue to to just uh, do amazing work in Corinth. And, And... And obviously, that's the simple way that God wants to work with us this week. Um, I have no doubt that you guys, uh, you know, I, I know you know the scriptures. You have truth. Take what you know and impart it to somebody else. Don't be afraid. Don't be timid. Just in love, welcoming people into your life, share the truth, and perhaps 
Lives will be changed by God's grace. God, it certainly is good to know that, uh, but it's another thing to act on it and trust you with our week. God, just thank you that your love can be shared in such a natural way as Priscilla and Aquila welcoming Apollos into their home, into their life, sharing the truth uh, with him in just such a uh, humble way. It's beautiful what you want to do as we just take what you've given us and give it to someone else. God, help us. We need your spirit to do the things you call us to do, to care enough to to step out of our comfort zone. I do. God, help us this week to to know your voice and hear what you say to us. In Jesus' name we pray.